Alright, welcome to Uncommonly Good with me, Alan Ladd, and Mike Reed. Today our main topic we're going to talk about is uh, raising the bar or raising the rope. Um, talking about, you know, the effects, uh, positive and negative as far as being, raising yourself up, challenging yourself, being up on that, you know, that tight rope and how it can change your perspective in different ways. Uh, and we have a guest speaker who will be on with us, uh, Grant Lingofield. Yeah, excited to have Grant on. Yeah, he's been a, a friend of ours for quite a while. Yes. Got, uh, got to know him when we were in Hamilton, but uh, definitely one of the most charismatic people you'll be around. I think you guys are also going to get a feel and, and understanding of that. So um, got a few things to talk about in our segment before we get into in, into that. And what do we have today? Uh, so uh, I got two current events. Um, so one, just, you know, stimulus checks, as people know, have been uh, going out and everything has yeah, been going got, on. You got see mine this going? week. I yeah. did get mine this week. Oh, I had to do my taxes this morning so I could get mine, and that was <laughs> not fun. But we'll talk about that hopefully never. Um, but anyways, this man in Indiana, he's, uh, I guess, he, he needed some cash. He goes to his ATM, uh, and he he figured out, oh, well, my check's probably in, whatever. I've got 200 bucks for sure to take out. He's expecting a $1,700 increase in his account was all okay so gets his cash he says he uh, he looks down at the receipts you know and it says told him that he had 8.2 million dollars in his account so they had incorrectly deposited a little bit over eight million dollars wow. into his account that's a lot of chinese car. takeout he's going to be able to get oh, some drive-in uh, yes. drive-in food he's going to be he's going to be eating ribeye oh yeah every he's, day yeah, oh yeah and he said uh you know i i did not know what to do and of course uh whether it was the federal government error or his bank whatever um of course it gets fixed and there's no finder's fee on that <laughs> um and the the thing i thought about though was the funniest thing from him was he goes you know uh yeah it sucked but when you're broke and you're broke again you know the only place to go is up <laughs> so he, he did like he's like it sucks but oh well i know how to get out of the situation he wasn't even uh that upset about it now uh, and then the other thing that I saw, um, which both of these I actually found off of uh, Barstool Sports that I follow on Twitter, um, and they are very wide, uh, very wide in their topics that they do because they'll do things from like, like this where they'll find these cool stories and current events and things like uh, if y'all listen to the last one where I was talking about Chris Johnson, like that yeah, he may uh -huh. be a kingpin, we don't know. Right. Well, they found that, but then they also make things like, hey, this is a look at all of these Instagram models. So they have a wide range of weird things on there, but they find some really cool stuff. And this was another one. And this is um, so a doctor in an interview uh, with the uh, New York Times. They were talking about uh, you know restarting America, and he was part of uh, their panel of people. I guess they were talking to after all this is over. And he said, um, you know, we may not be having sports or anything played with fans till 2021. Oh wow. Now, of course, we do know this about doctors. When oh, doctors yeah. come and give you a diagnosis, yep. is it going to be the best or worst case scenario? Oh, it's always worse. It's always worse. Yeah. Always. Um, so they always do that just because no one's ever been sued over, oh my God, I got good news. <laughs> and it was true. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of people who have been sued over, oh, you told me something good. Oh, and then it was actually worse. Right. Like, I'm going right. to sue you. So, Absolutely. And that's kind of where they are. But uh, his point that he was wanting to point out was, though, that... He just wasn't sure how we would be able to get back to large-scale gatherings without a, a vaccine or having been, um, or some other form being out widely produced, widely circulated in the population to allow uh, for it to be safely done without just sudden 
outbreaks of coronavirus across the country because you know everybody went to the Cowboys game and now right. eighty five thousand people are sick in Dal in the Dallas area. So right. you know that that was more his point on there, which is always interesting. But when you lead something off with we're not going to have sports with fans for over a year, well, oh, uh oh. So, but it was a little bit of an interesting take. But I thought you know that would be a good little thing to talk, little topic. Well, um, so yesterday I, I get called by uh, um, Big Country Preps, uh, oh, Ev- yeah. Evan, yeah. Evan Wren and, and Daniel, they called me yesterday and, and to talk to me and to put on their podcast. And one of the things, I follow Evan Wren uh, quite regularly. If you guys don't on Twitter, I, I always do enjoy what he posts and stuff like that. And he put a vote on there. Uh, how many of you would vote for one? He just made up a number, you know, for uh one, to go back to work and bring back the economy at the cost of 100,000 people dying. How many of you would vote to do that? Well, my immediate kind of response to it was, well, if the economy gets to a certain point, if we, if we don't bring back just some sports normalcies and some things in the economy, what's going to happen when people uh, are become homeless, uh, we're in a Great Depression, uh, people can't eat, suicide rate goes up, other just normal sicknesses that the healthcare system is at least taking care of right now. It, it the, I do feel for the governors and, and, and I do feel for the people that are making these decisions. Uh, that is some of the questions and things. Now that was just a random number, 100,000, but um, it could be way more. Yeah. And, and it could be way less too. Yes. But man, you're right, it, you know, some things don't start coming back to that and obviously one of the questions is Mike you know what's your thought with you know maybe a possible next year football season not coming up and you know my I mean my immediate response is I I mean how insensitive would I be if that's really a serious thought on my brain yeah when we have people in our community that are struggling uh and have no income coming in are uh, filing for unemployment that uh, bankruptcies going in the XFL you know just yeah, complete just bank- bankrupt yeah complete yeah. bankruptcy uh, how in you know how um, you know that would not be right of me to to, well, to, to put those words and we're, in, su- we're supposed to be as far as Texas goes Governor Abbott uh, is apparently going to release a plan for next week I believe is coming up to start opening up more businesses and to yeah. be able to do more things and to try to stabilize yeah. more yeah, of and I'm the definitely economy in on, on there. But they're going to do that. So, uh, but on to something, uh, something else that also though is very historic today. Uh, talking about getting back to sports normalcy today is Jackie Robinson Day. Yeah, for baseball. And so, yeah. uh, if those of you who don't know what Jackie Robinson Day is, then um, first off, shame on you. But no. Um, so it's every April 15th, and it is because uh, in 1947, on April 15th, Jackie Robinson made his debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers, and that was uh, the breaking of the color barrier. He was the first black American to play in Major League Baseball. And so now, this started in 2004, and so and it has grown. Whenever it first started, um, there were only, I think, like th- um, 13 stadiums, like there are only 26 teams playing, and there's 32. Yeah. So not everything was going on, and so, um, but they started with the uh, everyone wears number 42. 42 is on all the baseballs. It's on. Um, trying to think, the umpires have something as well. Uh, it may be. Oh, it's on their uh, all their shirts, their shirts, pants. It has 42 and stuff mm-hmm. and everything on it. So and everything is commemorating him. 
as far as uh, breaking that color barrier in baseball. Uh, which, if y'all want to know a lot more about Jackie Robinson, y'all need to watch the movie yeah, 42. Yeah, I was about to ask 42 you. 42 is yeah. a phenomenal movie. Um, and uh, one of my favorite parts on there is where um, him and the, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers are in the office talking. And uh, he's talking to Jackie, telling him how hard things are going to be, what's going on. And you can't, You there's things that you're not going to be able to do, not because you shouldn't, but because they will use it against you. You're not going to be able to lash out. You're not going to be able to be all this. And he, he looked, Jackie Robinson looks him in the face and he goes, are you looking for someone who's um, too afraid to fight? Because that's not me. And he, uh, he goes, no, I want someone who has enough guts and courage to turn the other cheek. Yeah. You know, and so, and it shows all of that. Um, it's a phenomenal movie. It's one of my favorite ones that you can watch, but, uh, Jackie Robinson, which also, too, in his own right, so he uh, won the first ever Rookie of the Year award because 1947 was the first year they gave out Rookie of the Year, and he won that award in 1947. Yeah. He uh, he won the NL MVP award in 1949, which he was the first black American to win an MVP. And then they also, uh, the Dodgers won the 1956 World Series over the New York Yankees. Wow. And I always like it when anyone beats the Yankees. Good. Yeah, Jackie Robinson Day, big day for baseball, big day in American history as well. Absolutely. So I wanted to do a shout out on that. Well, let's get into our topic of, yes. about, um, you know, the rope and raising the rope. Um, my high school football coach, Nelson Campbell, wrote a, uh, wrote a small little pamphlet of his philosophy and things that he wanted to do um, just to kind of keep it something that he would, as years went on, he could keep. And told a story in there and it really really resonated with me the more years I got into uh, coaching and he said if you get a rope and you suspend um, that rope 12 inches off the ground in between two big oak trees and you say hey you take all these kids out on the playground you say hey walk across that rope what's every kid try to do oh they're all gonna do it absolutely every kid's gonna get out there and walk across it well, when I started getting into coaching, became head coach, um, we had some really talented teams early in my coaching career, uh, as early as the third year, talking a state championship as a head coach. And, well, we, we didn't reach that goal. Uh, we, we got beat in, uh, in the second round. And, oh, it hurt. Holy moly, it hurt. And what had happened is that rope, wound up being strung up about 30, 40 feet up in the air. And I asked every kid, just because that's, I was, I was blind by what would happen by raising a bar. I just thought, raise that rope, get that rope, string it across these two big oak trees, 40 feet up in the air. And I didn't ask. I said, here we go. And I'm walking across that rope. Come on, little ducklings. And they all climbed the oak tree. They all walked across it. We get out into the middle of that thing uh-huh. and fall. Oh yeah. It hurt. Oh yeah. It hurt bad. It, 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 I mean, it broke some legs. It broke some arms. I mean, it it broke some backs. It it was, it was really hard. And and for me, I sat back and reflected off that of going, did I do the right thing? Should I have left that rope, uh, twelve inches off the ground? And so, in talking with that, our our story uh, with a moral meaning has to do with a guy by the name of Budai. So Budai goes to the uh, Niagara Falls and he stretches a rope all the way across one pole to the other pole of Niagara Falls and he says hey 
He, yeah, I mean, the whole crowd's there watching, obviously. I mean, this oh, is yeah. going to be pretty impressive. We're talking uh, walking across a 12-inch rope on a playground versus uh, trying to win a state championship and putting, you know, maybe raising Not it yet. up. To, to literally, here we go, we're going across Niagara we're, Falls. We're going across Niagara Falls. Yeah. So Budai takes this rope and, and stretches across that tight wire, stretches across, and he yells at the crowd. He says, I am going to walk across this. Well, they're all doing what? They're cheering. Oh, Heck yeah, yeah. Go for it. Abs- it. Yeah, absolutely. He then takes out a bandana. Puts the bandana, ties it around his neck, puts it up on his forehead. He says, I will walk across this tightrope, and I will walk across this tightrope blindfolded. Well, the whole crowd does what? Oh, they're cheering. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So then he turns around, and he walks over to his truck, and and in the back of his truck is a wheelbarrow. He grabs a wheelbarrow. He says, I will walk across this tightrope blindfolded while pushing this wheelbarrow. Well, the whole crowd's like, oh, heavens, oh, yeah. yeah. They're just yeah. losing their minds. Yeah, we're in. Like, we're, we're ready to see this. He then says, I am going to walk across this tightrope, blindfolded, while pushing this wheelbarrow, and who's getting in it? That's, what, yeah. Well, yeah, nobody. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, crickets. No one's there anymore. As a business person and as a coach, you have to know how high to raise that. But you also have to know that as it goes up, it is going to come with consequences. Back to our expectations versus reality episode earlier. Um, But it's going to come with those consequences. It's going to come with some pain. Now, I'll take this for, for, for the people that are listening to this, to the entrepreneurs that are listening to this, and to the head coaches that are listening to this. Lad, would you let your quarterback push you across that rope? Would you get in that wheelbarrow and let your quarterback? Wait, which one? Well, I, it changes every year, don't it? You know, as, as, a, as an owner of a business right now, would you walk up to somebody who is working behind? Maybe maybe you uh, are working at a, you own a convenience that store, be, manage a convenience yeah. store. Are you going to ask the person that's running the cash register? Okay, Niagara Falls. I believe in it. I believe too. I'm not just the one pushing and balancing, but am I going to be the person to get in the wheelbarrow and let you push me? That's where we have to know as a coach. That's where we have to know as a business person the height that we want to raise that bar. That's where I made a mistake because I raised that bar to a level that that I was willing to push the kids to get in it. I would have pushed them all. Hey, get in. Let's go. Let's do it. But... I had some kids that I wasn't sure I'm letting you push me across that. So I had to adjust my rope height a little bit to the people that are around me. Right. It's not a solo walk when you decide to walk across a tightrope. It's not. I mean, it's not a solo one. Well, and that was like what we were talking about with, you know, talking about as a team and doing everyone going over one. But now, okay, some kids, we can put their rope at 50 feet. Yep. And some kids, we can put it at five. Yep. Well, Jack has to know that John over there, yeah, that's five feet for him, but it's the same challenge. Yes. And if they don't perceive it that way, it now becomes a distraction. And when you're on a tightrope, what do they always say? Or the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't do what? Look down. That's right. And the first time they start looking down at their teammates or anybody, uh-huh. they're, it, you lose sight of what's going yep. on. Same thing in a business. You look down on a coworker and think, I'm doing all this. What What are they doing? Yeah. Well, it causes you to fall off. And, and that's, that's a tough thing to manage when you have so many people. Absolutely. And whatever you do. So getting into uh, our guest speaker, um, our guest speaker 
uh, is one of the most phenomenal human beings that, that we know. Um, we've had some great guests on here uh, and, and really excited for this one. He, he uh, is, is very infectious. He's oh, yeah. very, very humble. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna find some things, and when he talks about his his daughters and stuff, you're gonna find his humbleness. Now we have a little bit of uh, on our first, we tried a different way of recording, so we have a little bit of some feedback for maybe the first ten minutes of the uh, conversation, but we, yeah. but but we end up getting that fixed. It gets cleaned up it, uh, for for his story and yeah. everything, which his uh, story is. Is, is great. Uh, a part that he, he did not really go into, and so I just kind of want to preface this a little bit uh, beforehand, is uh, Grant was a uh, the 12th man for the Texas, uh, Texas A&M. And the 12th man for the history lesson for the people that are, are listening that aren't really familiar with, with Texas A&M, in 1922, the Aggies were really outgunned uh, by a team. Yeah. And they... They wound up finding themselves uh, down some players, and the the coach Dana Bible at the time wound up getting this get guy who was a basketball player at the time, suiting him up, Gill, and uh, Gill went to the sidelines and really helped out the uh, Texas A&M at that time. The twelfth man wound up growing into uh, walk-on, so you become a twelfth man by being a walk-on, by right. meeting all the challenges and and character lessons and things that they want you to do, and uh, they wound up growing the 12th man into making an entire kickoff team of, of the 12th man. So it wound up changing uh, when R.C. Slocum came because they wound up changing the kickoff rules and st- things like that. So they really, really couldn't just use just all walk-ons to be to be the 12th man. And so they ended up using one one player to wear the number 12 who would represent the 12th man from then. And then the student body at Texas A&M in all basketball and all football, football games, games, they stand for the whole time to be the extra player that it takes to help win. They don't, they don't take any slack either at baseball games. If you want to look at those <laughs> crowds too, Google it. It's, if you're a pitcher, it's awful. And uh, Grant is an entrepreneur, and he'll go yes. through this, of a lot of different businesses and, and things that he's done through his life as, as well as uh, – a husband and a father so we're really excited to have him on and, and coach lad will uh, get him introduced all right and here we have our uh, guest speaker with us today we're going to get to talk interview and have some fun with mr grant lingafield so you uh grant we've already talked to you talked about you a little bit but kind of just tell our listeners about you your family where you're from uh where you went to college and just what you've done in your life as far as jobs careers and everything else you bet, you bet. And first off, thank you both for having me, uh, Al and Mike. It's so great to see you guys. We, of course, uh, we enjoyed the time that you all spent uh, with us at Hamilton. And, and just thank you all so much for the job you did out there. And, and, of course, we still have a couple of pillars there in Hamilton. And uh, Coach Cox, Howard's out there still, and, and Sonny D. And, and so we're always interested in what, what's going on out there in Gordon with you guys. We're sure proud of you. And uh, once a bulldog, always a bulldog. Uh, but yeah, so I uh, graduated uh, from Hamilton and married my junior high sweetheart, Kelly Summers, uh, I guess about 20 years ago, actually. It's hard to believe uh, we've got a daughter, Campbell, who is, will be a freshman in high school next year. Uh, got it. Harper is a fifth grader, Berkeley's a fourth grader. Um, those girls, they're tough like their mother, they're pretty like their mother, they're smart like their mother, and quite honestly, I'm not 
quite sure what I contributed uh, to that pick, but but they do bring great joy uh, to Shelly and I on most days, and they're, they're two sets of grandparents that are there in Hamilton as well. Uh, and so, yes, we, we live in Hamilton. Hamilton's, uh, Shelly's a physician assistant there at the Hamilton Healthcare System. Now, I'm still, guys, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life when I grow up. I started <laughs> off... Uh, uh, working right out after I graduated from Texas A&M in 01, I went to work for Northwestern Mutual, uh, spent a couple of years there, and then went to work with my father in the Lincoln Belt Insurance Agency. Uh, Shelly went to school at uh, University of North Texas Health Science Center to further her education. So we lived in Granbury for a while. I commuted uh, to Hamilton and Tyco, and, and Shelly went to Fort Worth every day. Uh, about 2006, we decided we wanted to move our family back to Hamilton, and, and so came on. Shelly got on with the Hamilton Healthcare System. I came on with Dad in the insurance business. Uh, around 2012, we sold our agency. It allowed Mom and Dad an opportunity uh, to retire. Uh, we sold our agency to a local bank, and uh, so I got to work with Mexico Bank and their insurance division, ran their personal lines insurance division and helped them make that transition for about 17 months. Um, then an opportunity arose. Uh, I decided to go and work with a cousin of mine who played baseball actually at Mississippi State under Coach uh, Polk out there for four years. Oh, yeah. And uh, now we're building homes in the Land Pass of Texas area. Also during that time in 2014, uh, September of 2014, as you all know, uh, our community lost Kenneth Miller. And, uh, Hamilton Herald News has been in the Miller family for 60-plus years. Um, and sadly, we lost him. I was able to go in business with uh, Maria Weaver as a silent partner uh, <laughs> in the Hamilton Herald News. And, <laughs> so uh, they try to keep me out of that media room. Uh, but do allow me to, to cover our kids and sports sometimes on the side, and it's fun. Community's been so supportive of that business, and uh, it's just been great to get to celebrate our young people and our community in that way. Well, Grant, but, uh, so um, that's what I'm doing now. Grant, you said uh, you said something which was uh, uh, triggered a. Uh, it's, it's a code word that we have. So yeah, you've got, uh, you've got kids, and uh, and so you got kids, and we have a segment that we love to uh, to go through. It's called the corny corny dad jokes. And, oh, okay. And uh, so we kind of want to go into this little next segment of the corny dad jokes. Now, I, I did get defeated by the, fir- the first time since we've done these episodes. I was dethroned. Uh, from, it's about time. Uh, Greg Prophet beat me in the last episode. Um, and I, I normally go last, uh, which is why people are saying that, that I was winning. And that could be true. But I actually am not going to. I'm actually going to go first this time. Okay, I like Be- this. Because I do think I can still win. I, th- I tell you what, those profits have been getting the better of me for a number of years, too. Well, I'm going to tell you oh, something. Oh, Gary and Greg. He, uh, he sent me a corny dad joke just today, and I'm going to steal it. So, I mean, if you can't okay. beat him, join him, right? All right. What is the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi? <laughs> the difference. The difference is... The people uh, in Dubai don't like the Flintstones, <laughs> and the people in Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> oh, oh, that was good. You, you set the bar high. 
You are setting the bar high. Uh, you can set hey, the bar high. Hey, that's all props to Greg Profit. I can't take it, but I, I'm up. I'm winning right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. You're bringing in a ringer. Uh-huh. All right, so... So yeah, am I up? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm trying to think what I'm going to pull out of my repertoire here. I've got several. Now, I do listen to Uncommonly Good, and I am a little distraught that there has not uh, – I don't believe there's been a knock-knock joke yet. <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with the house salad on this one. I'm going to – the one that always brings the house down, it is, why did the tomato turn red? Why did the tomato turn red? Um, it got picked last. It saw the salad dressing. Do them. Come on, that's a good one. That's that a, a good, good one. one. That is a good one. That always draws an eye eye roll for my girl. That's a good one. All right, all right, lad, you're up. Well, I had mine. Uh, mine actually got sent in to me by uh Mr. John Cherry the other day. So, you know how you steal a coat. I, you steal a coat. Right you jack it. <laughs> you jack it. So, I like that. All I, right. I told him that one was definitely good enough that I had to put it on there. Uh, yeah. I, Ashley, you're going to have to pick the winner here. You're, you're going to have to pick the winner. Oh, man. Uh, golly. I, Grant, I'm going to have to go with you on this oh, one. Oh, right. this thing I is know. rigged. I, I, I've always knew I liked Ashley. <laughs> oh, this thing's rigged. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to put you on the hot seat now. Uh, this, okay. uh, this is a segment of where I'm going to ask you 10 questions about Texas A&M University to really, truly test whether you are a Texas oh. A&M University alum. I mean, this is important here. I mean, I, I, I know I, it. I, I'm a little concerned here. Okay. Number one, what in Texas A&M University real-life dog mascot? It was a, what is the current? Yeah. what was the original? What was the original? A pointer. A pointer, that's correct. What is it now? A, oh, I nearly said Sheltie, but that's a miniature one. Uh a r- La- uh, good grief, it's a lassie dog. I can't even a rough collie. A rough collie. Right. I get half a point for that. Where are all nine buried at? Where are all nine of them buried at? They are buried in the north end zone. Very good. What is the tallest structure in College Station? Rudder Tower, I'm guessing. Kyle Field. Kyle Field, okay, all right. Uh, a campus tradition... To place a certain item at the foot of Sol Ross statue before their exam, what item is it? Oh, I know this one. You've probably done this one before a test. Good. I, I give up. I forget. A penny. I'll pay, okay, I, I nearly said a quarter. I nearly said a quarter. Uh, okay. What is the largest single-day event with over 20,000 students pitching in to participate in community and service? Now, this is a great event. In fact, my college roommate, Bowie Hogg, who uh, was on The Apprentice, uh, chaired this event. It's yeah. called The Big Event. Very good. Very good. Uh, on Texas A&M has a midnight yell practice every year. When the lights yes, go sir. out, you kiss your date. If you don't have a date, which you probably did not have back then, uh, right. what what did you do? 
You know, I think I think I'm gonna. I, I don't think I want to answer that. One. <laughs> person's response when somebody from Austin says keep Austin weird what does an Aggie say in response uh, we got it's got to do something with calling him a tea sipper keep college station normal keep college station normal okay so we don't even give him a howdy do we no. <laughs> <laughs> all right number eight uh, there's a crystal right. tree sculpture in the courtyard of what complex Say that again? The crystal tree sculpture in the courtyard of what complex? Is it the quad? The rudder. Rudder. Okay. All right. And how many pieces of glass are in it? I'm going to guess 12 because we like lucky number 12. 2,500. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of glass. Number nine. I, I, I learned something. Now, I thought you were going to give me a Johnny Football question or a John David Crow. Or... I'm testing uh, the educational part of your college uh, experience. You, you couldn't have given me an E. King Gill question. <laughs> the original 12th man. I mean, no, come on. No. Okay. 55 Aggies. There's 55 Aggies who served in World War One. They died in active duty. How are they commemorated? Through muster. An annual muster. There's 55 flags. There's 55 flags that fly over Kyle Field. Okay. All right. Last question. Where will your daughters go to college? They're Aggie through and through. Through and through. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Through through. Good job. You are now officially <laughs> off the hot seat. Thank you, sir. Go oh, that was fun. That was fun. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into our, our topic, you know, of uh, raising the bar, you know, raising the rope about how um, that it's, it's easy. You can get someone, you know, to stand up, walk a tightrope with two, three feet above the ground. But as it gets 20, 30, 40 or more feet in the air, the number of people willing to do it goes down. And just kind of, um, you know, those people who they challenge themselves. What do you what do you think when you hear of someone, you know, raising the bar? Like that, what what is something that comes to mind for you? You know, I, I think oftentimes, and lad, I, I think you'll appreciate this story, oh. uh, being that you're a baseball guy. But I heard a pastor once tell a story about a, a dad that was late getting to his son's baseball game. Right, and he, he was working late, and he got to the baseball game late, and and uh, when he arrived, his son's team was coming to the dugout off the field, and. and uh, the dad walked over and asked the son, he said, son, how are we doing? And he said, son looked at me and said, dad, we're down 19 runs, down 19 to zero. And his dad looked at him and he said, well, son, he said, you sound like you're kind of encouraged. He said, but don't you think you ought to be a little more discouraged? And the little boy looked at him and said, discouraged? Why would I be discouraged? We haven't even batted yet. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I tell that story. Because those are the type of people I want to be in the dugout with a kid like that, right? And um, I think when you're talking about raising the bar, uh, you want to be around and, and be around people that, that it sounds cliche, but see that glass as being half full, 
remember this used to be on one of your uh, at the end of your each of your emails, and it talked about a kite and uh, taking flight versus the the wind. You know, winds of adversity, and and that's the thing. I think if we can set our wings against those winds of adversity and, and take flight, and those are the type of people that you have to surround yourself uh, with, and and so. When I think about raising the bar, I, I think about, one, having that positive attitude, two, having the grit and, and the work ethic to put in the work so that when it comes time to shine, you're ready. You're prepared. Okay, Grant, I, I want to talk about – I want to have you talk about your small-town kid, uh, Hamilton, and – you go off into the you go off to Texas A and M University and and you you raised the bar and and the rope you 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 raised it to a higher level than even uh, might have would have been expected of you from even other people and took and took some challenges to challenge yourself knowing that there's a chance you may fall off and heck you know even break a leg when those things get get raised up that high tell me how uh, raising that for you leaving Hamilton going to Texas A and M University. Uh, translate into you you know one of the things uh, I want to get it out there first off having a brother John is uh, six years older than me uh, went on and walked on at Baylor and got and played under Grant Taft and of course so that kind of opened my eyes uh, one first and foremost that 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 would be a possibility right uh, you guys did a, I listened to your segment on expectations versus reality uh, a couple of segments ago and and I tell you when you leave Hamilton and you're weighing 185 pounds soaking wet and one of the bigger guys on the field and then you enter that state you enter that Texas A&M football practice and there are guys that are running sprints alongside you that weigh 280 yeah (laughs) Uh, reality hits you in the face pretty quick um but i do i would like to go back a little bit if it's all right you know it it was kind of a strange thing going i started off playing in hamilton the summer before my senior year in high school Uh, my family we endured a, a pretty serious car accident my girlfriend now wife shelly kind of took the brunt of that and you know i one of the things i remember from that time we were between dalhart and dumas and i remember going to uh shelly and i were the first two to they took us back to dalhart to the er and then they care flighted her on to amarillo and i remember while i was waiting on my parents and sister to arrive i was banging my head against a wall and, and i remember dad grabbed hold of me guys and he he's and I told him, I said, Dad, I said, if I ever have to go through anything like this again, I don't want to make it. I don't want to survive it. And I remember Dad grabbing hold of me tightly. And listen, I said this to a Vietnam veteran, right? He's seen a few <laughs> yeah. things in his life. And, and I'll never forget, he grabbed me. He said, son, don't ever, ever say that. He said, because if you're lucky enough to live long enough, more bad things are going to happen in your life, right? And, and so um, it kind of goes back there. Uh, there was a teacher named Dr. Rick Rigsby, who was a player's coach, basically, uh, that worked with the team at A&M. And he always talked about sometimes you feel so weak that you have to muster the strength just to stand. And then eventually you'll take a step and eventually you'll be sprinting, you know, and, and facing that adversity. And so we go through that process. And then I watched Shelly. Uh, Shelly literally had to learn how to walk again in her junior year. And my senior year, uh, my days were spent going to football practice. I'd get done. I'd drive the hour and 10 minutes to Scott and White and Temple, and, and I'd spend time with Shelly at the hospital. And, and so that was kind of my football season. But I do remember the very first game of the season, we were playing Crawford. 
and I, I remember telling my dad I'd gotten word that they were going to bring Shelly to Hamilton. They set her up in the in the end zone, the north end zone, and uh, and I was excited. I told dad, I said, Dad, I, I just had this feeling I'm going to run a kickoff back back tonight. And dad said, oh, okay, son, okay. He said, just listen, go out, have fun, and do your very best, right? Well, that first kickoff comes and it bounces five six yards in front of me and i mean a perfect bounce right into my arm shelly's behind me and i take off up the middle of the field and it opens like a red seat and i just bowled my eyes for 90 plus yards into the end zone and i remember crossing that goal line i turned around sprinted 100 yards back to shelly and i just remember in that moment telling yelling at shelly that everything's gonna be okay and um you know, when I when I think back to that moment and, and it's sports and, and it, it, it just really, if, if you're able to, to look at life, all of a sudden I was a kid again having fun, which is all my parents wanted of me and Shelly's parents wanted of us, you know. And, and I remember uh, I'd like to say that we won that game, but Delbert Town, a Hamilton uh, product that I don't know how we got – or how we missed out on keeping him in Hamilton, but Delbert Count came over. I remember uh, to talk to me after the game as well, and uh, they ended up beating us three touchdowns to one. It was the only <laughs> one in, in that game. But uh, yeah, he and uh, you were talking about Greg and Gary Crawford. Those Eagles weren't very kind to us Bulldogs either, but they did discriminate. They weren't kind to many of their opponents. Um, <laughs> But I do think about that uh, that moment and, and how sports is a microcosm of life, right? Like that wasn't a big deal to run a kickoff back. But in that moment to a teenage kid, it was just one of those moments that said, hey, you know what? Look at life through a different lens. Every day you wake up is an extraordinary day. And um, went through that. Shelly learned how to walk again her junior year or senior year. I have learned so much through her, uh, watching her learn how to walk again to leading her team and 
great season, won the Big 12 championship that year. Um, and, and then in 99, Tim ran into uh, Glenn Rose's, uh, oh, good grief, uh, Dan Campbell of Glenn Rose uh, was our tight end at that time. And, and so we made it through the fall during spring ball. He ended up breaking his collarbone it was after a collision with Dan. Uh, but then in 99, you know, 99 was more of a disappointing year. It was the year that Bonfire fell. Um, but one of the things that, that I realized uh, after winning the Big 12 championship and we did lose to Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl in 98, 99 comes around and it's a little more disappointing of a season. But I remember the day we were getting ready for the Texas game and Bonfire, we have gotten word Bonfire had fell. And I remember some of those seniors, Jason Webster and Samisi Hamuli, and going to the coaches and saying, hey, guys, there's something more important going on right now. And and uh, we don't feel right practicing and getting ready for this football game when our classmates need us. And, and so the coaches, they conferenced and, and came back, and they said, all right, guys, uh, we're going to go help remove those logs. And now these logs at Bonfire, they're so big, it took 13, 14 big, strong football players to move each one. And uh, as we went through that process, um, a whistle would blow every now and then, and, and that would we would stop what we were doing, and they were pulling a body, one of our classmates, out from the wreckage. Uh, and they did that until there were 12 removed. And, uh, and so we go into that Texas football game, and, and talking about, again, having a perspective uh, uh, of how insignificant this football game is, and yet at the same time, it's so important. It's such a distraction to, to the real problems in life. But we go into that game, uh, Chris Sims, it was one of his first games to start. He struggled, and we ended up upsetting Texas at home. Uh, Major Applewhite, though, came in in the second half, and you want to talk about a leader. The air just sucked out of that stadium when Major Applewhite took the field, and he nearly brought the Longhorns back. But I remember just what a community it was, how classy Mac Brown was in that situation, and and, and the Texas students, and um, how it brought us together as a as a family and as humans. And um, but it, you know, we need in times like this. We're going through the COVID thing. I'm ready for these kids to get back out on the field and on the courts and, and, you know, and it just provides that needed distraction, but also it's a good reminder to us that, Hey guys, we're playing a game and there's a lot to learn from these games that we're playing, but, but keep it, keep it in perspective. Oh, that's great. And that's a, yeah, that's a great yeah, story. Absolutely a good story. Just had me mesmerized listening oh, to it. I'm sorry. No, it was, no, it was great. great I, I felt like I was six yeah. years old just sitting there, just, you know, didn't even, didn't even want to move or blink. Um, I want to finish this up because um, I want to talk about you've been an entrepreneur in a lot of different areas. And I want to know some of the best advice you've been given as an entrepreneur, especially in the times that we're going through right now. What is some of the best advice you've been given in your business uh, that resonates to how you attack your day today or something that you could tell somebody who might be listening to the show like, hey, this is what makes you uncommonly common. If you if you can attack and raise your rope and get, and get it up high, uh, this is some great advice that's maybe been given to you that you can pass on. Well, you know, again, I think some of that goes back uh, to the lessons that that we learned um, 
I, I think I mentioned his name earlier. I just lost my train of thought, guys. I apologize. Oh, it happens when you when we get <laughs> when we get older. We won't we won't tell your age. Yeah. But, uh. well, yeah no, I, I appreciate that, but but I uh, you Dr. know Dr. Rick Rigsby, Dr. Rick Rigsby. You know, one of the things I talked about how Dad picked me up that day. Uh, there's he wrote a great book called uh, Lessons from a Fifth Grade. Uh, dropout, which was his father, and, and one of the things that he talked about, and, and while he was at A&M with us, he lost his wife, and, and one of the things that he talked about, though, is when, you, when you're knocked down, and sometimes all you have is the strength to stand up, right, but, to, but do that, do what you have the strength and capabilities to do, stand up, and then take that step, and then take another step, and another step, and I, and I think that the lesson there for us is that during these times, Hey, there's a lot of silver linings in, in the fact that we're getting to spend great time with our families. A lot of us are hurting, uh, but also it, it brings a new perspective. And, and uh, Tyner Hell, I was talking to Tyner Hell, young man in Hamilton the other day, and he said, I'll never again uh, take a handshake for granted. And, oh, yeah. And it's those things that I, that I think right now we need to, to look at the positive, look at the good that is around us and the many blessings that we have. Well, final question. Fin- uh, best fatherly advice. Uh, I mean, and you've got daughters, and uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I've got a daughter, and uh, it's some trying times raising her versus raising the son. Give us some great fatherly advice to end this thing on. Well, I, one, I, I'm big on embarrassing my girls as you all know y'all you've met my girls and and now though i've kind of overdone that and and they just get a good eye roll but uh i'm reading a book right now it's called chase the lion uh it's a book by mark batterson okay and uh and what i love about this book he talks about his favorite verse of second samuel 23 20 and so most of us you know we like philippians 4 13 john 3 16 or possibly even john 3 17 but i was reading this and his favorite verse i've just got into it and his favorite verse is on a snowy day he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it and I thought about that, and it's about Benaiah as one of King David's bodyguards. And so I just had a conversation with our girls about, you know, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. This is when I start getting the eye rolls, when I start getting into the history thing. But Napoleon Bonaparte said there are two types of courage. There are uh, There is uh, afternoon courage, and there's 2 a.m. courage. And that 2 a.m. courage is harder to come by, right, because there's an element of surprise. It's dark. Um, and so I just talked to those girls about being courageous and, and not running away from a challenge. Uh, just like Benaya, he saw a 500-pound lion coming after him, and instead of seeing a 500-pound problem, he instead ran to the roar and took it head on, you know. And so yeah. I'm sorry, I keep talking. No, this is no, great. <laughs> but that is the thing. Uh, we've got to have grit, and, and those girls, they've got to be tough. Um and, and listen, I'm just so thankful there are people, individuals like you guys and the coaching staff we have there in Hamilton. Uh, you, again, you've talked to some coaches. Uh, I do want to tell Greg Prophet, good luck to him out in Wellington. I know he'll do a great job. But, but what you all are doing in influencing our children and our kids, uh, boy, I, I just can't thank you all enough. Well, we appreciate it. Well, yes. we'll uh, Coach Ladd's going to wrap us up. So this has been uncommonly good with me, Alan Ladd, Coach Mike Reed, and Grant Lingafield. It's been real and it's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. We'll see y'all later.